Welcome to Rooted and Free, a lifestyle podcast with Brandy and Sharon. Here you will find real down-to-earth conversations about Jesus, entrepreneurship, homesteading, homemaking, homeschooling, family, freedom, prepping, politics, and more. Some may call them conspiracies. We just call them facts. Grab a cup of coffee, your favorite pen and notebook, and let's dive into today's topic. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Rooted and Free podcast. I am here with my co-host, Brandy Lynn White. I am Sharon Beadle. You guys, we this is probably one of our most requested episodes right now, and it is about chickens. I'm going to drill down on that a little bit. It is about uh, specifically geared towards chickens for egg production, a backyard flock, whether that's a flock of two or three or a flock of, if you're Brandy, uh, 33 or more. Um, so we're going to give you kind of the, the small flock to the big flock tips and tricks. Uh, and we are going to focus on owning chickens for the first time and buying them from, uh, chicks that are a week or two old from the store versus buying laying hens or anything like that. So just to kind of let you know what you can expect for specific information. Um, but Brandy and I love chickens. Um, they are, my kids love chickens. They all have names. They're half pets as much as they are homestead animals that do, um, have a purpose here for us. And, we are really excited to jump into this because I see chickens, Brandy, you jump in and, and give your two cents too. But I think chickens are great starter animals for beginning homesteaders. Um, it's pretty simple and straightforward. They are low maintenance. They're relatively inexpensive. They don't need a ton of space per bird. You do have to make sure that you have enough space, but they don't need a ton of space per bird. And I think that they provide food, but they also offer benefits to your land with your garden and just just your property in general. So we're going to touch on some of that as well. Um, but yeah, Brandy, talk about, talk about your love of chickens, Brand. I do love my chickens. Like Sharon said, I have roughly 25 to 30 chickens currently. That number goes up and down all the time. My birds are free range. Uh, so they do encounter some, backyard possums, raccoons, coyotes, nature does run its course here. We don't keep them locked up. So they, they do get, um, taken sometimes. And it's just the, the way that life goes and God, I believe intended for nature, uh, to be. So that number does go up and down, but it goes up more than it goes down. So that's a good thing, right? <laughs> I do have backyard hens they are for egg production purposes. We haven't gotten into meat birds yet, which is something that we really want to tap into this year um, is doing some of our own meat birds. But for today, we are just going to talk about the egg production birds. I just, you said your chickens have names. I don't name the chickens, but Adeline names the chickens here. And she say, I know they have one. <laughs> they do have names. I, however, cannot keep them straight because I think they all either look the same or two of them will be the same, but Adeline insists she can tell the difference between them. So she'll name them like twin names and it's just makes so it easier. Funny. Yeah. And she gets to be involved too. So it's a great yeah. animal. Like Sharon said, as a starter homestead animal that you can get your kids involved with Yeah, that they can learn responsibility as well. So we, we really like the chicken for a homestead starter animal. Yeah, we, I big fan there. My kids, like I said before, my kids love it. The first time we had chickens, um, I just had one little girl. I now have 
a second one. Um, and my littlest is way more animal obsessed than even my first and my first loves animals. So we are definitely animal people in this, in this household. Um, but I remember, I mean, just one of those moments that sticks with you as a mom. I remember when my little girl comes running in, I want to say it was, it was summertime and it was end of July or beginning of August, the first year that we owned chickens. And she had gone out outside to the coop and she was looking for an egg. She peeked in and she had the first egg and she comes running in mom, we got an egg. I mean, I don't know how old she was three, two and a half, three, three and a half, somewhere in there. And it just, it was like this moment of complete joy because she had so much joy and excitement over the fact that she picked out the birds and we named them and she helped take care of them. And all of a sudden we have this egg and it was just, she, I don't know, like I, it chokes me up just because it was just such pure joy from her. So anyway, yes, we love chickens around here. Um, Brandy's chicken math cracks me up. The fact that the numbers go up and down and they tend to go up more than they go down. And the fact that you never really know how many you have. <laughs> I, it, it's true. People ask me all the time. And I'm like roughly this amount. And so I will count like once a week to see, but we also have, you know, 12 turkeys and two ducks. And so it's hard to keep track of all of them especially when they're free range, because they're everywhere. They're in the neighbor's field across the street. Uh, this little old lady across the street will feed them. And so they'll go over and visit her. So they're never all in one space. So I never really know kind of like how many we have at one time. I could go out there at night and count them if I wanted to, but um, we're going to talk about what you need getting started with chickens, what you need at home to keep them safe and healthy and baby chicks can be very uh, finicky. It can be kind of hard to, to raise some baby chicks from the store. Now I will say if you go to a, a home store, tractor supply, rural king, wherever you get chicks from, if you're not getting them from a hatchery, um, it, it is a different experience than if you let a mama raise her own chicks. I will say from, from experience here, completely different world. Yes. I don't know those mamas, you know, you're, a, if you're a mom, you know, you just have motherly instinct on what to do and how to take care of them. And, and those chickens do, they will take over and they will raise chicks without an issue and I'll get 12 chicks and then I'll have issues. And I'm like, maybe I could just go give you to a chicken, but for <laughs> the interest of you don't have any chickens and you want to know what to get to do to get started that's what this episode is for. So, yes. So I'm going to, I guess, let's start with, um, what do you need to have to be able to bring home chickens? Now I'm going to say this, I, Brandy mentioned like tractor supply, rural King out where I'm at, we do have tractor supplies. Um, I'm in Colorado. We do have tractor supplies. We also have Jack's, we have Murdoch's, we have bomb guards. Um, so those are going to be some of the stores that you can get chicks at here. And they order from either, what is it? McMurray hatchery or what's the other one? I'm going to draw a complete blank. So, um, they come from the big hatcheries. They usually get weekly shipments and they'll order a variety of breeds, um, for each of their shipments. So, um, you can ask them what they have on order. If you're looking for a specific breed, they also have a lot of people around there to kind of help you get set up. They'll ask you, is it your first time owning chickens? And they'll kind of walk you through it. So just know that you can go talk to somebody if you have any questions, but you need somewhere to keep your 
baby birds and it needs to be, most people will use some form of a container, like a, you can go buy a big plastic tub or, um, Brandy uses like a stainless steel trough basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, look and see what you have. We do recommend against cardboard. And the reason is chicks are a little bit messy. Um, as they get older, they can kind of start to peck through it. Like if there is a hole, they will go peck at it. Um, so just something that is sturdy and that won't soak up the water, won't soak up the chick crap, you know, all of that, just something, something that's fairly sturdy. And you're going to want it to have high sides because as the chicks get older and they grow quickly, you guys, um, a chicken is generally speaking, depending on the breed full grown between 16 and 20 weeks. Like they're considered adults at that point. That's fast. Um, so you're going to want something with sides that will keep them contained without having to have a lid on. Cause obviously you don't want to suffocate your chickens. Or if that's you, please seek help and avoid purchasing any live animals. So that was probably some gallows humor there. Anyway. <laughs> now, Sharon said you don't want a lid on it, but I actually use a, on my stainless steel trough, I will use, I have an old wooden frame that I put chicken wire on and I lay on top of it. Just yeah, but because that has holes. Right. Yeah. As they get a little bit older, they will try to fly out. They will they try will. to fly out. And you never know what's going on on our property and we have cats and all other kinds of things. So it's more so to keep other things out versus than to keep them in. But if you are going to put something on top, which I recommend, um, make sure that it is some kind of chicken wire or something that's mesh that has air. And for me, um, because ours are out in, they're in a plastic tub because it's what I had. Um, and it's a big one. It's, I, I don't know, one of the more giant ones that you can find. Um, I put the lid on half of it just to help keep the drafts out. So there's plenty of airflow and circulation. They're not getting suffocated in there, but yeah, you are going to want something that you can, or if you don't have it now, something you need to be aware of in a few weeks after you bring your chicks home, that you're going to want a place to keep them contained because they are they're flighty things, or they definitely can be. And their, their wing tips are actually the first things that start to feather out. So, I mean, they have the ability to kind of flop around and fly around pretty quickly. Um, and for whatever reason, they think they are intended to do that in life. They're really not. They are. And do you, Sharon, I don't know, we didn't talk about this and I didn't ask you, but do you clip your chicken's wings? You know, we talked about it when we first got chickens and we never ended up doing it. Um, and I don't know that I really thought about it in a couple of years. Now our birds are so routined, you know, they, they have the routine and they don't try to leave our property. We, we do have, they, we have a, a coop and a run, so we can keep them confined if we need to, but they have room. It's a covered run, covered coop, all the things they run back and forth. They're fine. It's all along one side of our fence. So it's pretty, pretty good sized for the few birds that we have. But a lot of times, unless I have a garden going and I don't want them actually getting at the produce in the garden. So it's for a couple months out of the year, they get supervised time out of their run. Um, they don't try to do anything. They, they flap up to jump, like instead of going through the gate for whatever reason, they flap up onto the run fence and they drop down and they run around the yard all day. They don't try to get out. So we never really had to, um, 
I don't know. Give me your two cents. No, the reason I ask is because the first flock that I ever had, I did just based off of somebody's recommendation. And then this flock that I have now, my current flock, I don't clip their wings. Um, just because I, I think I've never had them try to fly away. Right. But if some kind of predator is chasing after them, then they're, they're, they're done for, they have no chance of escaping. They have no chance of trying to fly away. Um, so we quit clipping their wings. So if that is some advice that somebody has given you, just take that into consideration. Um, and if you're going to have free range birds, it does allow them to evade predators better if you don't clip their wings. And I've never had a problem with them trying to fly away. So, yeah, same here. And we, I mean, we get hawks, we get, um, we did lose a chicken. It, she was beheaded by, we think a raccoon. I mean, we get, and we do have foxes around the area we've seen. We've got a couple of, uh, den of red foxes that runs around this area. Um, so, I mean, we have predators and our yard is not completely covered by trees. We've got some pretty mature trees. So I think, I think we're safer than maybe a completely free range chicken. And my dog hates hawks. It's hilarious. He gets all sorts of ruffled when a hawk flies over. Um, so he's pretty protective of the flock, which is pretty cute, but, um, no, we don't, we don't clip wings. Um, and that's good to know. Actually, that's Sharon learned something new today. So hopefully you did too. <laughs> oh, good. Um, when we were talking about what to put them in, I, like Sharon said, I use a stainless steel trough and, and the reason that I chose stainless steel versus like a plastic tub or container is the heat lamp. The heat lamp scares the heck out of me. And I've had too many instances where it's been knocked off or somebody's actually accidentally bumped into it and broken the glass. And so it's just a safety thing for me. Um, we feel safer with stainless steel, having a heat lamp attached to it versus, versus a plastic tub or any other kind of material that could either melt or catch fire. And we, uh, I mean, we're real careful with it and my chicks are out in the garage right now in, um, my husband's shop. And honestly, we just kind of rigged something up for the heat lamp, but Brandy's right. Those things, they get hot. Um, there's cords and all that kind of stuff. So if you have somebody like, if it's in a high traffic area, you really need to think about the safety side of it. Um, so moving into the heat lamp situation, um, you need a heat lamp or a heat source, a safe heat source. Let me, let me say that. Um, chicks are not developed in their feathers and they are like babies and everything else. They need warmth. They are easily chilled. Um, and you can kind of judge whether they are hot, cold, stuck in a draft, whatever, by how they are in this container, in your tub, in your trough. Um, if they're really cold, they're going to be huddled under the heat lamp. If they're really hot, they're going to be spread out as far away from the heat lamp as possible. And if they're happy, they're going to be all over your tub. Um, so you can kind of use that as, as a marker for, do I have enough heat for them? There are alternate. So we just stick with the heat lamp because we don't have, we're not trying to heat a big space. We've only, we only have a few, uh, chickens and this year we supplement, we're supplementing our flock. So I actually do have four chicks in the shop right now. They're hanging out, growing their feathers, getting into trouble, all the things. Um, but we've, we've had good luck with the heat lamp because we really don't try to raise more than a handful of chicks at a time. And then you have me who buys 12 at a time. So I have a little bigger space. Um, I do supplement the heat lamp with a heat pad just so they can spread out. I don't like to put too many heat lamps 
in one area. So we just stick with one heat lamp and then some heat pads, which you can put underneath their bedding. You can put it standing up so they can kind of just gather around it, whatever works for you in your situation. Um, the chicks like to be at 90 degrees plus. So their body temperature for the first few weeks of their life should be around 90 degrees, which is why they need a heat source. You're not going to have, um, you're not going to have enough heat unless I do know people who have done, um, like chicks in their bathtub or an unused bathtub of some kind, because that was the only thing that made sense for them. Um, uh-huh. which I thought was pretty creative. Although if I ever tried to do that, my husband would divorce me on the spot. Um, like he's, it took, it took me having a child asking for chickens for my husband to be okay with having chickens. Like that's just so chicken in the house is not have mine who can tell you more than you want to know about chickens <laughs> and is not a helper in the situation when we go to the store and I'm like, we really don't need more chickens. And he's like, no, we don't. And then I'm like, we should get some more chickens. And he's like, we yeah. have to at least have a dozen. And I'm like, you're right. And so we don't help each other out in that aspect. My brother really quickly, I'm going to throw this out there. My brother just moved into the woods. He sold all of his worldly possessions and they're building a home down in Kentucky and they got some chickens and he's built them a chicken run. And currently they don't have electricity. They don't have running water. They don't have electricity. They're doing the whole off-grid homestead life and they got new chicks. And so they have their chicks in a container by their wood stove. Perfect. So that's how they're keeping theirs warm. So be creative. Basically, there are ways to do this, but um, we still use power for now anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, get creative, but they do need a heat source. Um, And as they Brandy was talking about for the first few weeks of life, as they get older, you do reduce the heat. Um, So if you have a heat lamp that is moving it up farther away so that the heat will disperse before it reaches the chick. And that's how you you cool off their environment. Um, Heat pads, you would remove a heat pad if you needed to. Um, And some of those heat pads have temperature gauges on them. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can adjust how hot they are. So just know that you have options. Again, you can talk to people at your your farm store, your home store, um, and see what they have and what they recommend. Speaking to that as well, you are going to need bedding. I think most people with chicks are going to go with shavings. Straw tends to be a little bit too much for the baby chicks. Like they, the young, 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 young ones, when you bring them home at a week, week and a half old, they're, they're not going to be able to get up and out of a, a bedding of straw. So just to, just to give you that two cents, um, I'm, I'm happy with shavings. Uh, just a little tip, chicken, um, what'd you call it? I guess poop, chicken manure. Um, it is, it is considered a hot manure. So you need to have it. I'm going to use the term, but cool off. Um, it's basically too high in like nutrient substances and it doesn't, it'll essentially burn your garden and burn your plants. If you were just to like take it and put it on your plant. So you have to let it kind of chill for a little bit. But where I'm going with this is have a pile of compost. And every time you clean out your bucket and your coop and all of that kind of stuff, just have a corner somewhere in your yard where you can let that cool off. And then you can actually use it to supplement in your, in your gardens. Um, so that's kind of speaking to the fact that chickens are actually good for 
land maintenance and homesteading and that kind of thing. Um, so you do want to choose a bedding that is going to compost well. You don't want anything that's toxic. Um, I heard somebody once suggest, then this was just general animal bedding. It wasn't straight chickens, but newspaper. Um, honestly, it's messy and I don't feel like it does as good of a job in general. Um, so I would lean away from that unless that's all you have. I would recommend something more like shavings or small cut straw, something along those lines. We do use shavings. Um, shavings are tricky. I would get the, the size of them is important, I think, um, because chicken poop and the shavings will get stuck to their butt. So one of the things you have to do as a chicken mama um, or a, a parent of chickens is constantly wipe their butts, especially with shavings, because the shavings will get stuck to their bottoms and then they won't, they can't remove it and they won't be able to use the restroom. They will get septic and they will die. So that's a lot of times in some of these home stores, tractor supply, all the things that Sharon mentioned. Um, one of the things that I see a lot when I go shopping for chicks is dead chicks. And a lot of the times it's because nobody's in there doing the maintenance and care, like wiping their butts. So I have a friend um, and she was like, can you tell me about wiping chickens butts? Because I made it a point to make it clear that that's something that you have to do as a chicken owner in order to keep your, your flock alive and healthy and all of those things. So shavings are great. Also another that I haven't used yet, but our rural King has started using instead of shavings is the coffee grounds and it works just as well. Um, you can save your coffee grounds at home, but you would obviously need quite a bit for that. Um, our coffee grounds go in the compost. So Rural King, you can go to your local coffee shop. Our local coffee shop has big bags of leftover grounds that they throw out, but our home stores actually now have coffee grounds, recycled coffee grounds packaged in the bedding area. So you can do coffee grounds. It's a little less messy. There's not as much dust and they're less likely to get stuck like on chicken butts. So um, that's something that we are going to try this next round of chicks that we get is the coffee grounds. We'll have to follow up with that and have a report of whether that was successful. I will. And or... it smells really good. <laughs> My husband would be all for that. He has a major gag reflex and it's almost comical, but still. Um, yes. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking if I was a first time chicken owner, my question would be, how do I know that I have to wipe a chick's butt? You'll know, like, something will be stuck to their butt. If there's nothing there, no, you're not, you don't have to wipe the butt, but you do need to be looking at that. So when you change, you know, clean out their waters and check their food and all that kind of stuff, just make it a daily check for them. Um, they're still going to have like really tender feathers back there or fluff. So don't just go pulling poop off of them. Like I actually, I know this sounds ridiculous and there's probably a better trick, but I will actually take them and I will, dunk just like you can hold chicks without hurting them. So hold your chicken, stick their butt out of your hand. And I will actually just dunk it in the water. Um, as, as without getting much of them wet if possible. And then I will go about the chores and then I will come back two or three minutes later. And I'm able to actually pry whatever stuck poop might be on them off without hurting them. Um, it, it doesn't take much, but it softens it just enough. So you don't want to get your whole chicken wet, but just kind of try to soften that up. And honestly, like actually surprisingly enough, this round, I think we've had our chicks for almost two weeks now this year, and I've only had to clean a butt once. So 
just know it's not like you're going to be out there wiping a butt like you do a baby all day, every day. Um, but yeah, good tip. Something you need to know. You, it's something not something that'll know. just. It's super important. It is. And like Sharon said, it's not something that you're doing all the time or every single day, but it is something that does happen. If and if it let goes unnoticed, um, then you'll you'll walk out one day and your chicken will be dead. It's it's happened to us plenty of times. So. Bye, chicken. But we also have lots of chickens. We usually have our chick brooder is pretty full. So that's something that can get overlooked, especially um, when kids are in charge of feeding and watering throughout the day. And I'm not out there all the time. It does. It does sometimes happen. So yes. that's just something to note. Um, another thing, feed and water. So chick starter feed is going to have all of your nutrients and things like that in it, your antibiotics. Um, the starter section where you buy your chicks normally typically will have like our tractor supply has an area where the chicks are and all the starter things are around there. So you can right. take a look at whatever they have near the chickens, as far as starter feed and things like that. I do tend to lean towards the more organic feed. If I can Thanks. find it, um, in the store, uh, our organic feed is actually cheaper than the regular feed. So I always opt for the organic feed with our chickens and even our mini pigs, our organic mini pig feed is cheaper than regular pig feed at, at the home store, or the farm supply store. And then we don't water. have that luxury. That's too bad, but you can, you can still go natural. I mean, I don't prefer antibiotics in my chick feed. Um, we actually talked about this on what was it a couple episodes ago when we talked about, um, natural cold and flu remedies at home. And we talked about oregano oil being a great germ fighter, essentially that's true for your animals too. So they are actually, I have seen multiple times now starter feed that will contain natural things like oregano in it. Um, and so it's it, like, if you want to go the more natural route, which is my preference, um, that's something I would can, I would say, consider, take a look at, do your research, make your decision. But there are two different general categories of chick feed. And that is with antibiotics and without antibiotics, know your options. <laughs> yeah. And then water, um, water is something that I have learned a lot about with chicks, um, specifically, and, and that has nothing to do with this episode, but baby turkeys and baby chicks, I usually get them at the same time. Right. And baby turkeys are completely different than baby chicks when it comes to water. So I just do the same thing across the board for all of them, just so that I don't have any problems, but, um, water is something that you're going to change often with baby chicks. It, it tends to get really dirty, really fast. They're just messy. They don't understand. They're learning. They're figuring out, okay, this is water. This is, I need to drink it. And this is how I drink it. And this is where it is. Um, I'll elevate my water anymore in my brooder. I used to not, I used to just set it down in the brooder and it gets way dirtier, way yuckier, faster. So now I'll take a, a brick or something to elevate the water up off of the bedding so that the chicks are more at the level of the water. And then it doesn't get as gross and I don't have to change it as often. And I try to use, um, room temperature water. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like to give them like straight out of the faucet, cold water. It's good. It'll send their little bodies into shock, especially since their body temperature is 90 degrees. So any type of cold water, we learn that the hard way, especially with turkeys, 
if you end up for whatever reason, bringing home some turkeys and think you have chickens and you bring home turkeys and, and they don't survive. It's, it's because you gave them cold water, which I have accidentally done. So learn from my mistakes. Don't give them cold water. Room temperature water is great. And then we do, we will put some electrolytes in our water when they're little. And, and you know, your, know your water. Like, Some water doesn't like actually out here in Colorado, we do tend to have a, especially, and it depends on your water source out here, but we do tend to have a pretty good mineral content. Um, so I worry less about electrolytes and that's a touch. Like you're going to be checking on your chicks at least twice a day, at least in the beginning. And so you keep an eye on it. Are they drinking the water? Do they seem healthy? All that kind of stuff. And ask again, ask your home store, your farm store, do they recommend and why? Um, because it can be something and it, and it can also depend on what time of year you bring your chicks home as well, because weather can actually affect all of that. So, um, we don't do the electrolytes here. I do give them warm, like not hot, but warm out of the faucet water, um, here. And that seems to work well for all of my birds grown and baby. Um, I did learn the hard way, elevate the water. You are going to want to get a chicken water. Don't put just a bucket or a container or something, um, you know, like a food storage container or something like that. Don't put that in their bucket because the chicks will actually get in there and get stuck. Like they they'll get in there, they'll get wet, they'll drown, they'll whatever. They're not swimming birds. So don't give them a pond to swim in. <laughs> um see and you guys the plastic ones are less than two dollars. Just buy if that's the route you you want and need to go obviously there are more fancy options. Like we have a big metal one and actually we have a heat, um, a heat box for it to sit on because we do get frigidly cold here in the winter time and the waters will freeze over and everything else. But, um, just grab a little plastic chick water and, um, you are going to clean shavings out of it all the time. It's better if you elevate it, they will get poop in there, the bigger they get. Um, it's amazing how, with as fluffy as they are, they can so accurately land their poop in the most inopportune. In the water. In the water. Like I they don't turn around and back it. up and drop it. <laughs> they do. And it is, it's, it's interesting to watch and see. And, and it's amazing how these little birds can make such a mess in such a short amount of time. For for as little as they are, they don't have any hands. They have nothing else to do, but they sure know how to make messes. So like Sharon said, you are going to have to change your water often. If you get a waterer from the store, the plastic ones I use as well, I don't fill it up all the way because I'm constantly having to change it out or clean it out because of that, that reason. So I tend to change water more often, um, than not just because it does get so dirty, especially with a large flock of, of birds and a brooder. Well, and you are going to want to change it out pretty often, the younger that they are, um, because you don't want them drinking contaminated water. I mean, just right. like with any other young animal, human, anything like that, the younger they are, the more susceptible they are to things, um, as their little systems are developing. Uh, so that's, uh, that's water. Uh, there are specific feeders as well. Um, same concept. It helps to keep the chicks out of the feed so they're not pooping in it and then trying to consume it. Um, but again, they're just, it's like, you've got a couple of different options, but basically 
it just leaves little holes for them to stick their head in and get the feed. Um, you will need chick grit as they get older. It basically helps with digestion. That's the long and the short of it. Um, so when you first are feeding them just as their babies and they're eating their, their chick feed, their starter feed, you're fine. But as they start to eat anything else, and when they get to, I think for most breeds and most feeds, the formulation changes at 16 weeks of age, roughly. Mm-hmm. you're definitely going to need to provide something to help them digest at that point. So, um, chick grit, you can get it again, same spot in the farm store, home store. Um, but something that you'll want to offer to them as well. Um, that's, I think about it for what you're going to need for your initial setup at home for your chicks. I think really the only other thing that we want to talk about in this episode is actually going and shopping for chicks. Um, you know, kind of touch on some breeds, that sort of thing. Um, and something that we're going to address in a, in a episode here in the very near future is coops. But like we said earlier, chickens grow really quickly. They're going to need their permanent housing within a few months of you bringing them home. And we can talk about in that episode, um, how to acclimate them and adjust them to living outside in a coop, that kind of thing. Um, and what your coop needs to have, but just know that you can't kind of push this down the road for an extended period of time. So you need to have a plan. In my opinion, you need to have a plan in place before you bring chicks home because that time will fly. Um, Brandy, any thoughts on the coop needs? And then, yeah, let's, I would say, let's chat about chicken breeds. I think we covered everything as far as what you need for your brooder and bringing them home and all of that. I think we pretty much covered all the things you need. It's really not that hard. It's really not that complicated. You just need a few things and then time and attention. Um, they are pretty, pretty easy to raise unlike turkeys. Um, chickens are, are, are pretty easy. Turkeys are a whole nother breed, a whole nother animal. And even though they look the same when they're babies, they're completely different. Um, so I think we can go into breeds. What breeds are your favorites? What do you have on your, your homestead? I have a barred rock also known as a Plymouth and she's a black and white bird. Um, like she has speckling basically. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I have an Australorp and I think the Australorp is my favorite of our first round. So we have lost two birds, um, to natural issues like predators and that kind of thing. Um, the Australorp is just, she just kind of does her own thing and she's pretty docile and she's, I don't know, she's not, not mean or aggressive or anything like that. I like my barred rock. She's a little bit higher maintenance. Um, but they're both really pretty consistent layers in all honesty. Um, I bought, what did I buy this year? I bought two Americanas and I bought a Sapphire and I bought a Wyandotte. And, um, I think was she a brown lace or a blue lace Wyandotte? I'd have to go back and look to be totally honest with you. Um, but I have learned and in research and reading, and then just, given the first round of birds that I bought, um, I kind of, you can buy, um, they, they call them sex links. So you can determine gender mm-hmm. at birth. Cause if you're not buying that, it is going to be a toss up as to whether you're going to have a rooster grow. Um, and you honestly, if you're a first time chicken owner, unless you have a lot of room and maybe experience with a lot of other animals and that kind of thing, you probably don't want to facilitate a rooster in the beginning 
they can be obnoxious and aggressive. Um, and then you've got a whole other issue as far as trying to either let them fertilize your eggs or keep them from fertilizing your eggs. Um, but anyway, so I, there's the benefit to that. Um, but I kind of take the heritage breed route. Um, I mean, still mm -hmm. some of what I have are going to be sex linked. I think my Sapphire is, um, or maybe one of my Y and dots. Anyway, I'm going to start losing track of things, but anyhow, um, but I do go for heritage breeds. I think that they are just more innately capable of adapting. Um, they've kind of lived it, done it, survived it, all yeah. of that. They're really, really great resources for, um, Pinterest is a, Pinterest is actually a phenomenal resource for chickens. So just give that a shot. Um, go search chickens, that kind of thing, chicken breeds. But what made me decide to get these breeds is I, I want my chickens to be capable of withstanding the cold and the heat, but the cold specifically, um, we can do a lot with shade. We can do a lot with frozen treats. We can do a lot with, um, that kind of like heat management, but cold can be hard. So I go for cold hardy. I go for good foragers, um, because we do have a fairly good space for them to forage. They've got undergrowth, they've got dirt, they've got, um, garden, they've got a bunch of different places around my house that they can forage. So I want good foragers, um, and good egg production. And if I'm going to feed a chicken, there's still an element of reality for this for me. So if I'm going to feed a chicken, I would like to get some eggs, please. So those are some of the factors that I looked at. Um, and then temperament, are they docile? Um, for me personally, because right now in my homesteading journey, I am not buying chickens to be able to hatch eggs and raise chickens. I'm simply buying a chicken for egg production. So I don't want a chicken that's going to go broody, um, which basically means they become mamas and they want to lay on all the eggs, even though the eggs are never going to hatch and they stop laying and they're kind of a pain in the butt. And anyway, it they just, go oh, and you have to break them. I have some, they're stubborn. They are like, you have to pick them up off of the eggs. You've got to Every check eggs like two and three times a day so that they don't have something else to lay on. It's not the end of the world, but it's kind of a pain in the butt. So I, I look at some of those different things and, and I do have younger kids. I have, um, a toddler, she's a year and a half and I have a six-year-old. And so I want chickens that aren't going to naturally be prone to being aggressive. I mean, every chicken's going to be different, but I would like a breed that's going to be a little, little calmer, a little more docile. So those are my breeds. Um, I do really love my Australorp and I'm actually really excited for my Americanas because they lay the pretty blue eggs. So mm -hmm. they do, they really do. And we have, like I said, we have 25 to 30 chickens out there of all kinds of breeds. Um, I have several barred rocks. I have barred rocks, twins, as Adeline likes to call them, they look exactly alike. Um, the Australorps, I have a few of those. We have some Americanas, Easter Eggers. I really like my Easter Eggers. They're not the most pretty bird that there ever was, but they do lay some pretty eggs. Um, so Easter Eggers, I have a few of the Leghorns. I have a few of your Leghorn, your, your Leghorn is going to lay between 16 and 18 weeks. So it's actually the chicken that lays eggs the quickest. If you're looking to mm -hmm. have eggs anytime soon, everybody else kind of lays between 21 and 22 weeks. So they're a few weeks ahead of schedule. 
Um, Some of the sex link, like hybrid breeds will lay earlier too, but there usually is a leg cord component in their breeding. Yeah. Um, I had some Polish and some silkies and now Polish hens and silkies are two breeds that are freaking cool. Like they are just cool looking and I have one silky hen or one silky rooster left. That's it. I cannot keep them alive. I cannot keep them in the flock. So if you are going to choose chickens based on what they look like and for fun, I would, I would recommend, and we can talk about this in in our future episode on chickens, having them in a coop with a run that they, they can't get out. They can't go anywhere because silkies like to be in the rain. They like water. Um, so even if it's snowing outside, they will want to stay outside. If it's raining outside, they will want to stay in the rain for whatever reason. Silkies love water. And so they tend to get sick or if the temperatures drop at night and they've been out in the rain all day, they can actually freeze. Um, and, and, and you'll find them in the morning and it's not a pretty sight. So, um, while they are cute, just evaluate what you're getting them for, what your needs are and why you're having chickens. Um, I have the one can be, rooster can left. Be great kid for kids though. Like they can. So if you are willing to shoulder their silliness, we'll say they can be really, really, really birds with really great temperament and they do lay, they do have decent egg production. Their late, their eggs tend to be smaller though. So just two notes on the silkies. If you do decide to go down that road, they can be great for kids, good egg layers, smaller eggs, but they are finicky. They're just, they are. And the roosters are not like the females. The roosters are not like the hens. The roosters do tend to get aggressive. Every silky rooster that I have had so far is more on the aggressive side and then will tend to disassociate himself with the flock. So because they tend to be smaller, I have more roosters than probably anybody should have. Um, but they all get along except for the silkies, the silky roosters and the other breeds, they don't tend to get along for long periods of time. If you were to have them in a flock for, for years, they just don't, they don't last and they will ostracize themselves from your flock, but, um, they are really cute. Um, and then I do have a few, I think I have one Wyandotte left and some Wyandots can be really pretty depending on which mm-hmm. like sub breed of Wyandotte you get. They yeah. can be really pretty birds. They can. And their coloring is, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Jersey giants. We always grab a few of those at the beginning of the season. Um, they're great egg layers. And then do you have any Rhode Island reds? I think I have one left. I had four last year that I actually fostered from somebody and then they ended up not wanting them back. They were like, Nope, we're done with chickens. Um, so I had four of them and I think I, only, I, right. I only think chickens I are one. addicting. <laughs> they are addicting. Um, this family ended up like traveling for work mm-hmm. a lot. And so they just ended up getting rid of their chickens, but I do have a chickens whispers guide to zero waste. If you are somebody who likes to Ooh. compost and chicken, um, I picked this up at the discount store, um, about two years ago and I'll see if I can find a link for it and we can put it in the show notes. Definitely. But a, and it goes through raising 
chickens and reduce reusing and recycling. Um, it's a pretty, it, and it's a pretty thin book. You can get through it pretty quickly, but it goes over all of the things that Sharon and I just went over and then through the years. And so how to um, make everything from how to make your own feed to soil prep, to using it for using your chickens for composting, all of the different ways you can get creative with your brooders and things like that. So this is just something I picked up at the discount store, but I'm going to see if I can find a link for it because um, Andy G. Schneider and then Dr. Bridget McCray, PhD, wrote this book and I've gone through it a couple of times. Yes, that one. Okay. Um, it, so we'll is, definitely get you a link. We found it. So we know you can it, buy it. We'll get you a link for it. It has how to compost and 10 easy steps. So it is really written for the backyard homesteader. Um, if you have compost and how to repurpose all of the materials that you use in the process of raising your chickens in a brooder. Perfect. So as always, um, we would love to have your feedback. If you have additional questions for raising chickens, um, I would, I would personally love to see them. I'd like, I, I think I've said in previous episodes, I think that one of the best ways to learn is to learn together. So if somebody has a question, let's go find the answer. So we would love for you to leave your questions, um, on the Instagram page and, uh, we will be answering them. We can do additional episodes. We definitely will be addressing, um, kind of the second half to owning your chickens, which is getting them out of the initial, bringing them home, the brooder stage to having your birds outside. Um, so and if you're not following us on Instagram, go over, give us a follow on Instagram, head please. to the stories or use the message button. Uh, we're going to get some more content up on the Instagram page that correlates and responds to the podcast topic of the week. Um, so we would love, like Sharon said, to hear your feedback, send us a message, tell us what you guys want to know, what your concerns are when it comes to chickens and having chickens. So we can address all of those on the future episode. Absolutely. We would love for you to give us a follow on Instagram, share the Instagram page, share the podcast. Um, we really appreciate you listening and we look forward to chatting with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rooted and Free. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check the show notes for info and links. It would mean the world to us if you reviewed and shared our podcast and be sure to catch us on the next episode.